to the show. Derek, long time no see. So much has changed. It's been a couple weeks since, I want to say, right? It's nice and warm outside here in Chicago, finally. We had our July 4th holiday weekend, although lots of lots of events going on that weekend, unfortunately. But we're here and we're uh, we're enjoying today in the sun. We're in that three-week stride that us get in Chicago once a year. That's right. It's actually enjoyable. We can go out, hit the water if you want. You can go sit on a patio. That's right. Not patio like... season. Patio season's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get we get it. So that being said, we got another ten days to enjoy it. That's right. Right. Well, since we last talked, I think really the last time you and I did a market check-in was sort of like end of March, going into April. We've done a few videos since then, but we haven't talked a lot about the changes that we've seen in summer. Um, and I think particularly this week, my goodness, we, we have to start with your news, I guess. What happened with interest rates from beginning of this week, July 4th till now? I mean, it's been a complete pandemonium for the better, right? right? I right. mean, so, so unless you've been living under a rock for the past two weeks, interest rates, are finally starting to trickle down here a little bit, right? I'm sure the Fed has another rabbit under their hat or whatever you want to say for the next meeting, which will be this upcoming week. But that being said, right now we're sitting at a good point. We saw interest rates drop from 5.7 to 5.3 in the wow. last two weeks. Wow. That was the largest drop we've seen since 2008. So that, I mean, if I'm, I've always gone off of that old ad is that I learned that every 1% your interest rate changes, your buying power changes by about 10%. So about a, you know, 5.5% change there, half percent change, you know, it should adjust about what, 5% of the buying power? Certainly, yeah. certainly. So with a lot of the people too, especially the ones that are currently shopping right now, that's obviously very welcome to the news. Right, right, right. The ones that who may have locked in maybe three weeks ago, you know, there's always the ability to renegotiate so those people were able to take advantage of their interest rate being lower. But I mean, the ones who may have closed, you know, they're obviously stuck at that 5.7, 5.8. But like we've said, we're going to look at this in a couple of years anyways. They'll be able to refinance. And if things start going better sooner, then who knows where they'll be at in some of those. Do you tend to see buyers chase rates? So for example, this, this week now rates are more competitive than they've been in the last few months, right? right. So. Do you expect that you'll see the number of mortgage applications or pre-approval applications go up chasing that lower rate now that it's there? Well, it's funny you say that. So at the beginning of the week, this week, mortgage mortgage applications actually dropped about 5%. Oh, wow. Right? But that being said, as we said earlier, we're in the thick of the summer right now, right? People are enjoying themselves. People are out traveling. You know, I have a feeling that as people will find out about this news, they will start to be a little bit more serious. I don't think it's gonna take someone who was a renter and put them into the market, but I will think it will take someone who was kind of half-assed looking and they're gonna really start to look this weekend and see what they can find. Right, because there is incentive now to lock that rate sooner rather than later. 100%, right? 100%. And I mean, it goes without saying, you know, the big reason for this, and I think we'll touch on this a little bit later in the episode, was just all this economic turmoil. You know, right. and the thought or, or everyone anticipating this recession coming up. That's why we're seeing interest rates trickle down here a little bit as well. Yeah. Too. yeah. Well, and it does feel thinking about a recession or signs of a recession to come. Obviously, since the last time we talked, the market is nothing but red. I don't think any market has done well since our yeah. initial conversations on yes. things. Yes. So um, it's interesting to watch that and see how it's driving consumer behavior. And that's I don't know if you're getting the same question, but the question that I'm getting probably most is, 
you know, number one we've talked about before is Chicago in a bubble. But number two is, are we headed towards a recession? And specifically, it always comes back to is the housing crash or market crash tied to that. Right. Um, I'm curious, you know, from what you're seeing, are you feeling that in your client base? Are you seeing that in the lending side of things? Or at this point, is it business as usual, just operating in reflection of the Fed? I mean, so a lot of it just seems to be like the latter you said, right? Like business as usual. People know that this is going on. But what I've noticed, at least the, the couple of recessions that we've dealt with since I've been a loan officer, is typically that does trickle down interest rates, right? You know? Yeah. And I mean, it takes yeah, a little bit, but it does. we'll get there. It does. And, you know, and you, you'll touch on the housing market. I feel like most often, outside of 2008, the housing market's kind of cooking in right. these recessions, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right? More people make millions of dollars in real estate wealth during times of recession than any other time in history. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's just about knowing about what opportunity you're looking for, particularly as investors, which we'll talk a little bit because there are investors having success right now. But people who have been cash ready and are ready to strike on real estate opportunities, if a, a recession really does hit in full force, oh, they're, they're yeah. going to be the ones that come out successful on the other end. Right? Easily. I mean, those are always the ones, right? It's no different than the theory of investing in some of these blue chip stocks when they're low because you know they'll recover well, right? It's the same theory. You're investing in real estate as an asset because long term you expect it will recover well. Yeah, and like we, we touched on on the last episode, a lot of these people have equity in other homes. So right. what they're doing is they're taking out and then they're going and buying another home with some of that equity. I wish I could recall the number you said, but I know that we talked last time about how many trillions of dollars in equity. 2.7 trillion. That people had borrowed against. Roughly 201,000 people, the, the, the average loan officer with an interest rate under 4% wow. had in their, in their home in equity. Wow. Right? Wow. So I mean, that being said, we're seeing a lot more home equity lines of credit. And unless all these people are doing home improvement, right, yeah. that money's yeah. got to be getting deployed exactly. into the marketplace, into other investments. And some of them are. Some right? of them are. Absolutely. I mean, the ones that Absolutely. can find a general contractor, <laughs> the ones whose general contractor can find goods and services and actually Quality like, of construction. Yes, yeah. exactly. You know, it seems yeah. to be a lot of those guys are uh, very busy right now. Now, I will say, and that leads me to think about just investors I've been talking with. So investing in real estate has always found success even when the numbers are less uh, forgivable than they may have been for the last few years right so there are flippers out there people ask me all the time like is this is this the death of flipping and construction's high it's hard to schedule contractors houses cost a lot well not really you know in the pre-2020 world flippers look for a loan to value of like 70 percent loan to you know uh post value right after yeah. you've done the work now i think that they're not getting that same deal because they've been forced into a different sort of seller's world where everything sells for more Absolutely. but they're still able to make money in smaller margins right so maybe rather than like a uh 70 loan to value it's like an 80 percent loan to value right And they had to pay the 10 percent buffer what i'd be interested to see is you know a lot of these guys are flipping these properties how many of them are holding on to them and renting them out now with the rental market being the way it is well and i actually it's interesting that you say that because some of the flippers that i follow and who i've done really well over time with flipping are now starting to expand their knowledge base and their portfolio into the long-term rental holds and the reason for that is the demand right now for long-term 12 plus month rentals is at an all-time high, yeah. right? I mean, I can't tell you in Chicago today, I had two clients who I had to share bad news with, both applied to rentals that listed within 48 hours 
and they were one of 30 applicants. That's just I don't, bonkers. I've never uh. seen that in my career. I don't think that that's normal or should be normal, but it is the way it is right now. So when I think about that, though, as an investor, maybe I don't have to flip it right now. If right. the housing market's cooling and interest rates are high, but I can put it on uh, market for rent today and get 30 applications, buffer myself for a year and then sell, that's wow. a pretty good deal, right? Yeah. Um, and most of them, because they bought it as an investment, they bought it in a position where they can become landlords instantly anyway. It's not like they have low down payment or equity requirements of a homeowner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure, are you seeing, have a lot of your buyers or are you seeing a fair number of investors still seeking loan products at this point? I mean, so a lot of them have been, yeah. right? I think now more than ever, I'm being asked more about rehab and renovation products, right? right? And this may not necessarily be just for your investors, but this is for the people who are kind of getting sick of what they're losing in their price point. Right. Right. They're like, hey, listen, I, I'm losing to other investors. I'm losing to other purchasers. What else can I do? So I think the product of the renovation and or rehab is starting to, or I guess it has been around for a couple of months, but people are asking about it a lot more frequently. Well, and I would, so that comes back to where we started talking about, you know, how the flippers are looking at their, their after rehab value. I would think that that rehab loan does the exact same thing, right? Like when they're coming in, you want to have a pretty strong understanding that after rehab value of that home is going to be a fair degree higher than what you paid. Well, that's how they appraise it, right? right? So they're appraising it subject to a lot of these repairs, a lot of the work. So that's actually one of the things that will turn people off from this product is it's not necessarily, hey, you close, here's a check, go do the work. Right, you gotta make sure right? it's justifiable you know, value. You're using, you're using the bank's contractors or right. at least an approved bank contractor. You're making sure you're doing all the scope of the work, the plans, the specs, the cost of goods, everything needs to be figured out beforehand, right? So again, if you're an analytic or if you have that property that you just know needs 100,000 and that's right. gonna do it on the value, it's a great product for you. Well, and if you need somebody to run numbers like that, believe it or not, your real estate agent is the person who helps run those numbers, right? So right. if you're curious, looking at a property that needs a ton of repair and you want help assessing how much work is gonna go into that property, that's contract or comp contract, I'm happy to provide one. Yeah. And then you wanna see the aftermarket value, but well, we can run comps on that. We'll run comps on homes with similar finishes compared to the goal you're trying to accomplish to help you figure out, okay, what would an appraiser look at, right. right? When we go to an appraiser, what would your competition be? Because really, there's no reason to guess with all of this, right? The appraiser's gonna come in, they're gonna look for the newer after rehab version of the home. If you can justify it, you can justify it. So we wanna be aiming, almost understanding that marketplace so that we can say, these homes won. They sold for this number, we should right. be targeting that level of rehab, right? And what does that cost? Which that's basically the sales comp approach, right? Exactly. So making right? sure that, hey, Listen, this is property similar to the work you want to do. This would be the value that we're putting on. Right. And that would be the only difference, right? When we, we always run comps when you're making a purchase offer anyway, because we're worried about the first appraisal. Right. This is just taking the additional added value and worrying about the second appraisal, right? Yeah. Um, but you have to do both sides of it. So I do see that happening a fair amount. It's a lot more now than ever. It is a work intensive product. Yeah. But again, like for your novice home buyer that wants to get into something like that, what a heck of a way to learn by doing it on your own. Right? You know, I, I was really scratching my head on ways that home buyers can win right now. And I was trying to think of who in this marketplace is a winning home buyer. Yep. And so there's ways you can think about that. I mean, is it relaxing enough so that there's not 20 offers on every home? Yeah. So in some way, every home buyer is winning a little bit. Right. 
but the interest rates are so high, it's making it painful for some. So I think the obvious ones that stood out to me, downsizers are winning. Yep. Sell a big home for a premium profit. Even if you overspend on the smaller home, you should have a decent number of profits still in pocket, right? Sure. I think that they're probably winning in spades. Yep. I would say people moving to less expensive states in Illinois are probably winning. Yeah. Going somewhere, using the cash that they're getting from the equity they have here, investing into another property. Yep. could be retirement or relocation, but they're probably doing okay. Unless they're going to California or New York. Unless they're going to those ones. That might be a little much. Right? But then the last one that had occurred to me today, and I'm curious your thought on it, is I thought these buy, uh, either buy and hold investors that are going to live in a property yep. or the buy, hold, rehab, and rent, which we've already talked about. Yep. I think they also have a pretty big opportunity to come out ahead here. For sure. I mean, I'm dealing with a couple people right now who that's their plan right now, mm -hmm. right? They're buying a house, they're gonna hold on to it, they're gonna renovate it. They may even rent out their current home and move into that house once, it, that, once it's renovated. So then they, they become landlords with a dual income source on top of- Correct, right. correct. And what I realized, and I agree with your point, but what I realized it boils down to is those with flexibility, right? right? right. So right now, more than ever, I think sellers want to be able to call the shots, especially when it comes to close dates, yeah. right? Like, hey, listen, I know you want this place, but I don't want to close for 90 days mm -hmm. or whatever it may be, right? So those buyers who are out in the marketplace who are staying with mom and dad or who already have a property that they're not planning on selling anytime soon, they have the flexibility to win these deals because they can kind of work with the seller a little bit. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, now right? more than ever, I'm doing rent backs. Okay. And for those of you who don't know, a rent back is when you close on a home and then you rent it back to the seller, right? Why anyone would do this is if the seller doesn't have a place to go yet, right? So if there's a listing on the market that, 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 that you're hot and heavy on, you want, you want to buy that place, but you also need to make sure that you're in agreement with the seller, one of the things you could do is offer to buy it with a quicker close date and then rent it back. Right. You know, again, that only works if you have the flexibility of staying somewhere else. Yeah, right? correct. If you, if you have your only home or if you already have a home that you can stay in, if you can go over that mom lease and dad or live with mom and dad. Or, yeah. yeah, like because with those, you can get creative. Right? right. The money can get, you know, if someone wants a property and you're going up against someone else who wants a property, they're going to increase their value. Right. Right. They're going to. But where, where, where I'm seeing people win is we're getting creative in those offers a little bit. Well, and that comes back to this is like if you're if you're someone out there right now and you are either thinking about becoming a real estate agent or you're evaluating how your real estate agent is representing you. Number one thing that a buyer's agent should be doing in the course of negotiation is understanding the seller's terms and what they need out of that transaction. hundred percent. Not right? because you're going to meet them all, but because you want to do the best you can to meet what you can. Right? right. So if it's important to them to close on a certain date or if they do need a lease back period of some sort because they need to find a home or whatever it might be, your ability as a buyer to meet that flexibility or to present terms that meet the seller on their field or on their terms really sets you ahead. I mean, it could be more impactful than, than more money in some instances. Most times it is, right? Yeah. You might lose a deal, not because you weren't the highest offer, you could be the highest offer, but because somebody else was letting the, you know, let them lease back for 30 days while they hunted for a home. Yeah, that could have been more valuable to them than the $5,000 Delta or whatever it was. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, and that's huge. And that's not to say, hey, go take a 90 day close date, because no, again, no. you don't want to lock an interest rate for 90 days. Right. But what you can do is if you're buying a house owner occupied, you need to have at that property within 60 days of your close date. Mm -hmm. 
So we're having people offer a 30 or 45 day close with a 60 day rent back. Right, totally legal, we can do it on paper. Functionally, you become a landlord for a minute, right? So in the time that they're in there, you're a landlord, but we bake it in the contract so that there are protections, escrow agreements, funds set aside just to protect in case any damage happens during that time period. And understand you're buying these people's home, right? And there's, a, there's an emotional connection to your home. So, you know, knock on wood, I've never once had a rent back call me and say, hey, the prior owners trashed Don't the place. believe what they did on the way out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they yeah. took all the copper wire. Yeah, knock on wood is right. Pump, but right? yes, I think most times we tend to see pride of ownership kick in. Correct, yeah, yeah. They, 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 that's their home, right? That's where they had their family. So we seldom see, you know, any issues due to that rent back. I do think that I, I actually, for yesterday, I had an offer presented to me and the buyer's agent asked, would your sellers be open to considering a home sale contingency? And it was a little bit jarring for me because I haven't heard of a home sale contingency in a deal in like even 12 asked. to 18 months, right? <laughs> yeah. It's been, the market has been far too competitive. It's not because it's not a functional technique that we right. can use to buy housing, but I just, I haven't heard it in this competitive marketplace in a long time. So that to me was sort of an indication that on the peripherals of it all, we're starting to see buyers deploying their standard negotiation tactics again, yep. um, which does show me that even though we're talking about, you know, the way to win as a buyer really is to meet the seller's terms as best you can, we're starting to see the power shift a little bit back into the buyer's court. They're not one of 19 offers in seven hours. There may be one offer in 19 days. Right. And you as a seller need to decide what kind of pressure that creates for you. Well, you know, I, I feel like not more than 30 days ago, we were doing this podcast, interest rates were at an ultimate high, inventory was at an ultimate low. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, at the beginning of this, we talked interest rates are starting to come back down. They're right. a swallowable inventory you know, creep. They're, they're, they're going to creep down. Yeah. But that being said, what about inventory, right? Like yeah. I, uh, from a mortgage lender standpoint, now more than ever, clients are winning deals. Yeah. I'm noticing, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm not getting the, hey, listen, we lost to 10 other offers. So talk a little bit about inventory, where we're at in Chicago and kind of how that's affecting not only buyers, but some of your sellers as well too. So inventory is still low. I don't want to paint a negative story because I do think it's slowly returning in some cases. Like there are some parts of the city where inventory is too high. We have the high rises downtown have been at 12 months inventory or hovering around 12 months inventory for years now, gotcha. right? Since yep. the pandemic started, yep. that market is still hovering longer market time, still not selling necessarily what it was a few years ago. So is make no mistake. $800 HOA fees. That would be the high that, HOA, that high rise okay. near downtown river North, you know, it, downtown isn't fully recovered to what it was pre pandemic. A lot of the businesses still aren't back. A lot of the in-town visitors still haven't come back as often. So while that market is slowly recovering and we've seen interest come back and deals are happening again, which is a great sign, yeah. we're still seeing a lot of inventory and we're still seeing a relatively high month uh, supply of inventory or market supply, right? Yeah. Compared to if you look across the rest of the city, if you're looking more at like low rise, walk up, single family homes, inventory is depressed. It's if a, a four to six months inventory is balanced, we just said the high rises are closer to 12, which is clearly in the buyer's favor. There's too much to sure. pick from the rest of Chicagoland is closer to a seller's market, right? Two, three months inventory in some cases, yep. slowly crawling back. But where that's crawling back, if you think about it is in some ways, and I mean no offense if your home is for sale right now, is with the losers, right? Many people sold their home successfully. Yep. Some did not. Those that did not likely did not because 
of a functional problem. Either they price too high, they miss the market demand, they miss where interest rates are, but whatever it is, they're dealing with that dynamic now. Yeah. So you have a market of homes that didn't sell during the feeding frenzy. They're being fed now by the homes that we're already gonna list during the summer. So for the first time in a little bit here, we had a pool of inventory that didn't move. And now that's helping inventory catch up because not everything sold on the market. Gotcha. So some of those houses who were probably overpriced, wanted to start up a bid war. They're right. Kinda, they're kind of getting bit in the ass here a little bit. There's only so long you can watch the neighbor sell for, you know, 550 and go, all right, I'll try 560. Then you get 560 and someone goes, I'm going to try 570. And eventually someone loses, right? Eventually someone tries too high and the market rejects. And then if they miss the timing, they start chasing down. And that's really the, the reality of how important pricing is. And when I'm having pricing discussions now with my sellers, this is not a time to press the ceiling of your pricing threshold. Sure. If anything, price at market value or even slightly softer. And my, my mom's been in real estate a long time. She has this expression that you wanna be the prettiest and best priced house on the market at any given time. And like, that's, it's that simple, right? If people yeah. look through and see more value in your home, they will come see it. Right. And so that, that's where sellers need to be right now. You don't want to be the most expensive one on the block. Yeah, because I see some of them would seem just to be a little hard headed right now. Very much. They want their number or they think that we're three months ago where they're going to have yeah. 20 offers on their place. Well, data trails. Right. So I think some of the data that hasn't come out yet, some of the market activity we saw from March is just now closing or just closed recently. Yeah. So sellers, the numbers that they're seeing are from the frenzy of activity that we saw. What they're not recognizing is that April, May, and June slowed down significantly, which means that closings for June, July, and August are also gonna slow down significantly. And I would bet, and this is using a crystal ball, that if we were to compare the negotiated value for the homes that sold in March versus the homes that sold in the last three months here, it's gonna be much different percentage-wise. The, sure. the buyers who negotiated more recently got a better deal on those homes because twofold, sellers were more desperate to sell, the market had shifted, and they needed it. Buyers couldn't afford to spend more because the interest rates adjusted so Their much. affordability was just jammed. Yeah, right? so I think both of those probably pushed pricing down in terms of like the percentage of negotiated list. Well, I mean, in a way, like we alluded to our last episode, I guess what they're trying to do with the economy is kind of working a little bit. In our right, world. yeah, right? right. You know, we're, we're almost kind of Maybe too much, too fast, but it's working. <laughs> we get a little too much too quick, right? But we're getting it, right? Overall, I, I think the market has shifted drastically in a lot of ways. Yes. But there is still opportunity out there if you're looking for it, particularly for certain types of investors. And if you are in a position where you need to move right now, there are products available to you, loan products that is, and inventory finally for you to look at. So overall, I do think that the market seems to be in a, a relatively healthy position given how volatile it's been. I think absolutely, right? Like similarly to what you bought, there's more, there's more listings starting to hit, a little bit more inventory, a little bit, but also where interest rates are at right now, right. why not? Right. You know, and, and I've always said from the get-go that interest rates are similar to gas, yeah. right? Unfortunately, you just gotta deal with it, right, okay. you know? You're not going to impact how much you drive because gas is more, right? right. You're just going to figure out a way to live with it. So what I'm telling most people is right now, yeah, I get it. Rates are high, but if we can take advantage of this little bit of uh, improvement, why not? 
Well, and don't wait. They, they, we, we talk about don't use hope as a, a strategy and don't try and time the market other than just focus on your goals. Now is a pretty good time to be active compared to the last few weeks. So Absolutely. if you're watching this, by the time we post this, what, maybe early next week, the week after July 4th, you might already be a little bit late on getting the rates that are out there right now. So this yeah. is every, every week when we do this, we preach about being ready, have your team in place, being ready to make a buying decision, having your pre-approval done. Every ducks in a row. This is you when you, you really need that, right? That's because how that's win. how you take advantage of the rate being 5.3 today, yeah. rather than 5.7 last week, is you were ready. You were pre-approved, and now when you see a home this weekend at an open house, you can lock that rate and go, done. right? And so I do think if, if you take nothing else away from this conversation is success right now is predicated by being prepared. Uh, and I think that buyers that we're seeing be most successful are the most prepared. Yeah, the ones who are one are ready, right? The ones who know exactly what they want, but also like we touched on a little bit, the ones who are willing and able to get a little bit creative as well. too. Right, exactly. They understand the dynamics of the deal so that they can make an offer creative enough to stand out. But then again, that's where we come in. Right, right. That's where that's where it's not your job to understand coach. the inequities of a real estate transaction. <laughs> yeah. That is why you pay fine professionals to help you do it. So um, with that note, I think let's go back to enjoying our summer days. We're actually going to a White Sox game tonight. So uh, how do we feel? White Sox, Tigers, going to be a good one. I had to look up who they're playing. That being said, I will certainly bet. Of course. And uh, that being said, I'm betting the over because I'll be there. <laughs> I'm betting the over because I'll be there. <laughs> Go home runs at the White Sox games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want more great real estate content, insights on the market today, insights on what's winning for buyers, like, follow, subscribe, share this with somebody you know. We appreciate you checking in all the time. Derek, always a pleasure. We'll see you next time. I'll see you later tonight. Take care.